KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So anyone, who was it? Uh, was it Senator Susan Collins who said she thought that the impeachment, even though there was an acquittal in the Senate, that Trump would learn from this? Yeah, and he would that learn his he lesson. Would, he would learn his lesson and he would uh, he would change and, uh, and and he would come about this very differently. How, how long? That didn't even last 12 hours? Well, she said it was more aspirational than anything. She hadn't gotten any guarantees from the administration that that would be the case. When when she first came out with that, I was just like, hmm, what in this history lends you to believe Tell that he something. will have learned a lesson? Anything. It just seemed like a cop-out, Fair in enough. my opinion. So, and, I was going to say, and, and, and along her, as, as well as some others, were learning that at least in private, the Republican members of the Senate, some of them, Expressed genuine concern over what Trump did. I'll point out you had, I think Lamar Alexander was maybe the best example. When he said he was going to vote to acquit, he said, I think the House proved its point. I think what Trump did was wrong. I think he violated an oath of office in a certain way. But I don't want to remove him from office. I don't think it rises to the level of removal. We're finding out more and more senators believe, basically, of course Trump was wrong, but they voted to acquit because they're more afraid of him than they are voters. Yeah, you've got uh, th- this piece that, that was, was published talking to Republican lawmakers. And in private, what you're finding out is something that you, you've heard you know, whispered among many journalists over the last, let's call it, five months, is that they know that what the president did was wrong. And they're afraid of what would happen to them if they came out and they took a stand for that. Well, um, there's the, the this article quotes an old Russian proverb: "The ooh. tallest blade of grass is the first to get cut." Don't oh, right? I've heard this one. Uh, trailblazers get a lot of arrows in their chest. Yeah, How's so that? you got a, a lot of a lot of them that, that think that the president is reckless. Some have even gone as far as to say unfit. They they admit that he lies. They acknowledge that he was wrong, and and they've even gone so far as to say that this president has done things that Richard Nixon never did. Mm-hmm. But they are afraid. Yeah, they are afraid that the president might give them a nickname like Low Energy Jeb or Lion Ted. Oh yeah, 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 yeah then he might tweet about their disloyalty. Oh yeah, or that they, you know, they're going to get attacked by uh, by Fox or the mouthpieces they say on talk radio. Sure. And will the tri- the Twitter trolls turn out? You know, their followers against them. Yes, to this- all the above. And by the way, a great example is obviously Mitt Romney right now, where Mitt Romney went from being the at one point, standard bearer of the Republican Party, nominee for president. By the way, can I point out, got a larger percentage of the vote than Trump did when he lost his election. Um, and he's now uh, persona non grata. Right. So you had Mitt Romney uh, on the floor of the Senate Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, mm-hmm. say that he would vote to convict the president of the United States. And the only Republican to do so, a little bit of what he had to say. What he did was not perfect. No, it was a flagrant assault on our electoral rights, our national security, 
and our fundamental values. About this time yesterday, if you were tuning into KTAR, you heard the President of the United States talk for the first time publicly since his acquittal by the Senate, and he talked about Mitt Romney. It's a failed presidential candidate, so things can happen when you fail so badly running for president. Yeah, so Mitt Romney now talking about what he expects to be the consequences of that vote, that lone vote. What kind of consequences do you think you'll uh, you'll endure for this? Um, unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what they'll be. I, there's some I know. I, I, I know there'll be consequence, and and I I just have to um, recognize that and do what you think is right. What kind of consequences do you think he's going to have? I think it's more along the lines of uh, uh, mean tweets and, uh, 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 you know, the, the cult 45 going after him. I, I pointed out the other day. It? Well, I, look at this. I, I went back and had to look. I assure you, I didn't pay close attention to his Senate run. Uh, he won 63% to 31% in 2018 in his run. I'll take your word for it. Well, I had to Google it. Yeah. So he's not up for reelection to 2024. Again, he more than doubled. 63 to 31 is a huge win. Okay, I lose 10%. He's still a big winner. Do you see what I'm saying? It is, it, is it a little premature, but I'll throw it out there. Has Mitt Romney become the new John McCain? Remember, oh, okay. Senator McCain the gave Maverick. the thumbs down, thumbs down on yeah. the Affordable Care Act, okay. and, and he stood by his principles and said things that others were feeling but were too afraid to say. You, you I think you that. need yeah. I think you need somebody who is a veteran of the party to take that role. Think about Senator John McCain, former presidential candidate, right? Uh, lost that race, and loser, and and. And, but but had a, a strong reputation within the Senate. Look at Senator Mitt Romney, lost a presidential race, has a strong reputation within the Senate, or at least did. Inside the politics, yeah. Correct, yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, how does this impact him? Yeah, he's not up for re-election for another four years. Will this be the thing that he has to run on, his vote against Trump? I don't know. In, in Utah, I'm not necessarily sure if that's necess- if that's the case, but does it hurt him getting on committees? Does it hurt him when will, it furthers his agenda? Will Mitt Romney it? punish him? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, no, Mitt Romney, Mitch, Mitch McConnell. McConnell. And, and Maybe. He, oh, and politics. again, politics. The reason that Mitch McConnell would do it is fear of Trump. Well, I mean, we don't have to look so far, though, to, to find a Republican senator who has integrity and character, who has spoken out against this president because they didn't agree with their policies or their behavior. And I would just I would direct your attention stage right to former Arizona Senator Jeff Flake. Yeah. So one of the things that I heard and I heard repeated was that impeachment helped Trump. Oh, yeah. If you if you were looking at some of the polling data, his approval rating was at a high watermark post impeachment. I wanted to know. I, I went looking for this, by the way. And I always think it's difficult. And I I, I like to make fun of. I admit it. Uh, people who take the one poll that reinforces what they believe and ignore any other poll that says the difference. You can't do that. I actually like these. There's some websites out there that take an average of the polls, you know, because I think you start getting more of an accurate picture as opposed to just looking at one poll. 
Because we've had plenty of examples of people, both sides of the aisle, that a poll shows them doing well. One, one poll, call it uh, Pew, right? And yeah, that's the greatest poll ever. And then they're doing well. That's a fake poll. I don't believe it. So, you know, they don't have any consistency. So when you look at the average, the average right now, what was the last one I heard that Trump's approval rating was 50 percent or 49, 49 right? Yeah, high highest watermark. ever. Yeah. Rasmussen, I think. Rasmussen. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the average of the polls, the approve, disapprove as of I'm looking. I'm, I have to look at the date. Yeah. Today. OK. Is 51.8 percent disapprove. 43.8 percent approve. Wait, 51. So you're looking at 42. 42 52 to 44, 48. roughly, 43.8, yeah. So that is where the average of the top six, one, two, three, four, six polls are right now. You can look at it yourself. Don't take my word for it. 538.com. Real Clear Politics is another one that does an average. They average nine polls. So, so And the okay. Real Clear Politics average is... 45% approve, 52% disapprove. Your point is? Those numbers are not dramatically different. Impeachment did neither helped nor hurt Trump. You, you, I mean, if you're just looking at the numbers, it wasn't a boost, but it didn't tank him. The pe- So I, it is exactly what I thought it would be. The people that went into it thinking... Uh, witch hunt hoax, he's the greatest president ever. We're not going to be changed by anything that came out. And those that wanted to impeach him on day one, for example, we're not going to be changed by anything that came out. And the people in the middle didn't pay attention. This has been a big week, though, for politics. When you're looking at the debacle that was the Iowa caucus, you had the State of the Union speech where children uh, were are, are running our country. That became quite evident. And then you had the president's acquittal on Wednesday in the Senate, mm-hmm. followed yesterday by an hour-long public therapy session from the president of the United States where he rambled on and on and on about a variety of different things. I'm wondering what those polls look like, Bruce. Like look in a week? In a week. Okay, fair. Yeah, and there will be. Again, these are some of these are daily tracking. Some come out every week. But but the people that were 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 pointing to the Rasmussen poll, which by the way was a forty nine forty nine. I think that was tie. the latest. And, and, uh, well, but you say the latest. It came out on February sixth. Okay, yeah. On February fourth, the Reuters poll came out that was forty two percent approved, fifty five disapprove, a negative thirteen. I just think that people nobody are was all... touting that. No, but I think that people are just over polls as well. Be- because of that very reason, you can use them as, as, as like a metric, one metric, but they're not the metric. No, but that's why I look at an average of the more of them you can look at, the bigger the data sample, the more accurate they become. Absolutely. And, 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 and I think that if we really want to know the potential impact that the impeachment trial and acquittal had on ne- this president, you, you got to like let Monday, it bake a, a little bit. Next Monday, like a little maybe? bit of a lagging indita- indicator oh, a, a week or possibly even two. Yeah. But again, I just I'd heard that. Well, it's done well for him. And so I went and looked and I go, the only poll out there that doesn't have him underwater is the the uh, uh, the Reuters one. Every single other uh, Rasmussen, every single other one uh, was bad. One point on that, though, if you're looking at did impeachment help, hurt or make no impact, no change. The fact that it didn't make an impact, because it's pretty much what you're looking at right there. Yeah. The fact that Static. it didn't make an impact Might be is a, a win yeah. okay. for the Republicans. Like I can concede that. I would, say, I would say that that is a good analysis of it. Last year, I got a question for you. I want you to think about this. Did more people go to the movies or go to the library? I didn't even know they had libraries. 
Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Okay, I know libraries exist, kind of. But I was trying to think of the last time I set foot in a public or school library, and I am slightly embarrassed to say, Pamela, I, I honestly, I, I cannot think of the time. How many kids do you have? Currently, mm-hmm. that I know of. Mm-hmm. None that I know of. I think that's probably part of the reason. Really? Yeah. You got kids, you're going to the library. More so than you would be as a single So male. wait a minute. So wait a minute. So what does it say about Sandra, the mother of my goddaughters, mm-hmm. that we didn't go to the library. We went to Barnes & Noble and sat in the kids section and read books. Oh, I think a lot of people do that, too. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people I do did, that, too. I've done that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got to put them back. I just don't go, I just don't go <laughs> to the You leave them piled up no. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I, th- this, uh, this is interesting. So Gallup okay. did a poll. All right. And really what they were doing is trying to figure out where we spend our time, or leisure time, the oh, activities that we do, and, and, and how often have we done them over the last 10 years. So in this poll, they asked people, how often or how common was it in the last year for you to go see a movie? For you to go to the library, for you to go to like a sporting event, like a okay, live okay. sporting event, go to the zoo, zoo. things along these lines, yeah, right? Leisure activity. And uh, what they found out, the clear winner, clear winner, by a landslide, was going to the library. Really? On average, people in this survey, it was about, let's call it a thousand adults, all 50 states, went to the library an average of 10 and a half times a year. Okay. Movie theater by comparison, because again, like okay, yeah, but compared it, to what? Movie theater was about five times, so half as many. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm no math whiz. Um, what do the what do libraries look like? And that is not a, no, I'm not being facetious. What is an what does a library look like today? Have they changed? In what capacity? They still have books. Is okay, that what they're you're full asking? Of books, right? The Dewey Decimal System is still in play. <laughs> have they changed that? They they have a lot more computers than probably the last decade that you were in one. I was going to say, I would tell you that I don't believe I've been in a library that had a computer. Oh, my gosh. Well, they had the one where you could, like, you had to use, like, microfiche to look up the Dewey Decimal that's System. Not the com- that's not a computer. That's not a computer? No, that's like a projector. Yeah, I haven't been in one that has a computer. Good night, Irene. No, I think... Give uh, me a reason. What am I missing? Well, okay. <laughs> You've got a lot of folks that'll go to the library because it doesn't cost anything. That's part of what this this survey okay, is showing. Well, that's, let's be honest. That's not fair then. Because for you to say that more people go to the library than movie theaters, live sporting events, and the zoo, well, all those other ones cost money. That's not fair. But that is part of it. Where are you spending your time? Just because you don't have the money to go to a concert, a, a, a game, yeah. or the movie theater doesn't mean you just need to sit at home and twiddle your fingers. Does everybody not get free tickets like we do for stuff? No, is that dude. Not a norm? Gosh, you're so lucky. My I goodness. I have no idea how the, the other thing works. too that that libraries have. That again, this yeah. is this is stepping outside of your bubble, Bruce. No, I'm learning, and 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 it's free Wi-Fi. No, it's also it's like a Starbucks. Oh my gosh! What do you know? How many like public libraries actually have coffee shops inside of them nowadays? Really? Yes. So the only one that I know, like, if I could point on a map too, is the one at Paradise Valley Mall. There is, and the only reason I know that is it's next to the gas pumps at the Costco. So when I go get gas, I go, oh, look, there's a library that I've never been in.
and I have no idea what's going on inside of it. Can you just walk into a library or do you have to have like a library card? Is it like you a can membership walk in, thing? You don't have to like, there's not somebody standing in? at the door like no? Costco checking to make sure you have a card. I don't have to have a card to get in. To get in, to get no. In. I have to have a card to check out a book. Right, or even get on a computer because they've okay. got to be able to, you know, know who's on that. How like, fast oh is goodness. the Wi-Fi at the library? Holy cow. Is it fast? Or is it like dialogue? There's an obvious reason we go there twice as often as everywhere else. Why is that? Because when you pick out a book, you got to take it back. Oh. Every time you go to the library, you have to go twice. Steve bringing in the math into this, too. I still think that people would be surprised to find out, even if your theory is correct. And I think that there are people that are just going for Wi-Fi. The people are going to the the library as often as the movie theater. I, I found that amazing. I'm dead serious. I would have never guessed that. I would have never guessed that. I don't see lines outside the uh, the uh, uh, library like I see lines at movie theaters or sporting events. So that's why I, I, I don't have a perception that people are lined up to get in. I did not know that. That is wild, wacky stuff. We have an update on the coronavirus, including the doctor credited with kind of discovering it and trying to warn everybody has now died from it. I'll tell you that story coming up next on Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. You might have seen the picture or heard the story about the death of a doctor in China. Um, And as you dig into it deeper, this is um, a little bit of a disturbing story. And Pamela, it kind of feeds into one of the concerns I've had, where, like you, I acknowledge that uh, the real flu, influenza, is a much bigger threat to you, I, and those of us around us than the coronavirus is. Full stop, period. But I also don't think China is being 100% open, honest, and transparent about what the coronavirus is, maybe its infection rates, the number of people. Um, and this story kind of reinforces that for me. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the, the doctor who actually blew the whistle. He's a whistleblower doctor, if you will, blew the whistle on sound of the alarm on this deadly new virus. He leaked a document late December from his hospital confirming a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And just a few days later, he was detained and silenced by the police who accused him of spreading lies. He was eventually let out. And he continued to serve patients who were, you know, at at the helm of this health crisis. He died. Uh, Of the coronavirus. This this young doctor. Yeah, he's not an old guy. Who blew the whistle on this coronavirus. 34 years. Was punished for it. Mm -hmm. Arrested. Has become a symbol. Yeah, because the concern is. If China is being open and transparent about this, why did you detain and and uh, basically jail the doctor who was trying to let people know, hey, there's this new virus out there, the novel coronavirus, and it can be deadly. Why did you try to silence him? And so they started a hashtag, as people do. We demand freedom of speech in China, which is... Well, I mean, there's like it heartens you a little bit like, you know what? Think about this. All these other countries where freedom of speech not only isn't taken for granted, they don't have it. Of course, because it's China. They've got like a guy 
who can, you know, it's got like a knob on the internet, and they are censoring and deleting any posts with the hashtag we demand freedom. Of course of they are. Of course they are. It's China. I mean, are we, are we forgetting it. about their, their government and how they treat people? And you have the, the Communist Party's anti-corruption agency. <laughs> There's so much wrong with I that. I was going to say, that in and of itself. That's, uh... The Communist Party's anti-corruption <laughs> agency has announced an investigation into his death. Oh. Do you think they're going to get to the bottom of it? Not hey, you in know any what? way, shape, or Coronavirus form. Coronavirus killed him. Yes. Uh, he got sick. Three weeks after he was let out of prison. And he was and he had been treating patients. So I mean, like, yeah, follow this story. He's a doctor. He's the one who sounded the alarm about this deadly new virus, leaked a document on Mm -hmm, December mm -hmm. 30th, was arrested on January 1st. Right. He was um, he was released. He got sick on January 10th, and three weeks later, he died. Because in that time when he was released to when he got sick, he immediately went back to the Wuhan Central yeah. Hospital and treated patients. It, it, does, it is concerning to me that a doctor, 34-year-old, healthy, relatively healthy doctor from everything we know, can die so quickly from this when you have to believe, Pamela, he was taking some reasonable precautions. You say that, but if you start really diving okay. into the stories of what healthcare professionals in China, in particular, uh, Wuhan, are dealing with, it, it, it's a nightmare. It, yeah. it is what nightmares are made of. There was outrage earlier this week, and I think rightfully so. There was an image of the Chinese government uh-huh. officials that had come to talk to doctors who were treating patients. And the doctors treating patients had the cotton mask over their mouth right, that right. like you could get at CVS. The one that we've learned does nothing to prevent you from getting sick is really only... Outward. But the government officials who were coming to see them had a, a had a specialized mask that would protect the professional you. one. So just to make it simple for you, the masks that the doctors should have had, the government officials had. That's what every- and the the masks that the doctors had were the ones that the government officials should that's have exactly had. Exactly how I think communism works. And that's way. exactly <laughs> how it works. So why would you think okay. that uh, you know they're going to do this investigation? And how did he get sick? Well, they don't have. They're not protecting themselves properly because not because they don't want to or because they're ignorant or they're irresponsible. The they don't have the ability the, the, to. The, 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 the resources don't exist. There was another image this morning of uh, a physician's hands okay. in China that were like bloodied from working so hard and washing, washing his hands, hands so over often. And, over and, over. and I'll tell you something, Phoenix, it's dry, sure right? It and because it is the flu season uh-huh. and we've had 17,000 confirmed cases of the flu right here in Arizona. Alone. I've been washing my hands like Constantly. every single, like every time, not just obviously when you go right. to the bathroom, but anytime I go out of the house and I come back, I wash my hands before I do anything else. Okay. That like the, the back of my knuckles have started to crack because they're so dry and no lotion, no amount of lotion I'm putting on them is working. Imagine what that's like in a hospital setting where you are in the epicenter washing of an outbreak. Washing your hands a hundred times a day, maybe. Right. So mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, it's a different situation. Doctors in, in, in Wuhan are dealing with extenuating circumstances the doctors in Arizona aren't dealing and with. And would never have to. Correct. Thankfully, might we point out. Uh, celebrity doctor, might we call him, Dr. Drew, um, was um, uh, approached, if you will, and asked about this and really had some real pointed points 
echoing what Pamela has been saying all along about what you should really be worried about. I'm really pissed at the way the press is reporting coronavirus. Okay, here's what the headline. Here's the headlines they're saying. The headlines are, oh my God, there's tens of thousands of more cases than we knew. There's so many more coronavirus infections. The headline should be, in spite of there being many, many tens of thousands of more cases, it's milder than we ever knew and only 300 people have died. Worry about the flu. That will kill you. People that are working on infectious disease, that are epidemiologists, CDC, they need to worry about it. They'll let you know when there's a problem. There isn't a problem right now. He's a doctor. He comes from science and fact-based things and, and, and understands also that, that the number that we've repeated over and over again, on average, 50,000 Americans will die of the flu, the regular flu, influenza. Zero have died of the coronavirus. That's the reality. Get your flu shot. And seriously, you can still get your flu shot. I talked to Dr. Terry Simpson about this. If you get your flu shot now, it still takes a few weeks to kick in. But not only will that, that will correct, you know, help you with the flu, but it just, it helps you just in general protect against all these other crazy things that are going out there. Cirque du Soleil Ovo arrives in Phoenix for the first time at Talking Stick Resort Arena. Six performances, February 20th through the 23rd. Ovo means egg, and so it's a look inside the insect ecosystem at a high-level acrobatics show. Whole family's going to enjoy tickets on sale now. You can win a pair. Head on over to the rewards page at KTAR.com. Does the name Elizabeth Smart mean anything to you? Tell you what, I think when we tell you her story, you'll remember who she was. But she's in the news for a whole new reason. And it might be a reason why women should never fall asleep on an airplane. We'll talk about that next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. There we go. Maybe we shouldn't assume that everybody remembers the name Elizabeth Smart. Because when you say it to me, I'm like, well, that sounds kind of vaguely familiar. So I remember and looked it up. We have to go back to 2002. Elizabeth Smart was a 14-year-old girl in Salt Lake City who was kidnapped, abducted at knife point from her bedroom, and was held for nine months during which time she had been uh, raped, threatened with death. Uh, a horrible story, right? Like a nightmare, like a, like a horror movie. She's now 32 years old, and she is a champion for child safety. And, you know, after being kidnapped and sexually assaulted as a teenager, um, she now is sharing a story that, that happened to her. And I wonder, how many other people has this? Let me rephrase that. How many other women has this yeah, happened yeah, to? Yeah. So she was on a plane, okay, by herself, flying alone, which I, I got to admit, I don't do very often. I don't fly all that often. So when I fly, it's usually for vacation or to visit family. So I usually have my husband or my daughter with me. But I would, I would, you know, if you're a speaker like she is, or she if you're a business, a lot, yeah. if you're a business woman, you know, you're you're traveling all over the country and you're sure. doing that all by yourself. So she was sleeping on a plane and she was on a flight home to Utah. She woke up and she says she found someone with her hand rubbing in between her legs what? on her inner thigh. And here's what she said. I had been asleep and all of a sudden I woke up because I felt someone's hand rubbing in between my legs on my inner thigh. Oh my what did God. you do? 
I was shocked. I mean, the last time someone touched me without my say-so was when I was kidnapped and I froze. I didn't know what to do. Were you surprised that you froze? I kept saying to myself, you're Elizabeth Smart. You should know what to do. Wow. Wow. I, so th- this is the second time I've heard of something like this happening, but she's the most high profile person, obviously. And I'm wondering, like, like you started off with, does this happen more often? Are women who will fall asleep or even don't fall asleep, are there the person sitting next to them on the airplane? Are they susceptible to these sexual assaults? I'm sure it does. But let's take it out of the just the, the the deranged setting of a woman being alone on a plane, falling asleep, waking up to a man Groping. touching her. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that what Elizabeth Smart had running through her brain is something that most women who have been touched inappropriately have gone through their minds. It went through mine. You know, you froze, you freeze. What, what do I do? What, what do, do I do? do? What, what do, do you do? And, and for her, she's like, I'm Elizabeth Smart. I'm supposed to know what to do. She's an expert. And yeah. And she didn't because you know what? There's no playbook on this. I recently watched the new Taylor Swift documentary that is out on Netflix, uh, Miss Americana. Mm-hmm. And and while I like Taylor's music, you know, I'm not a huge you know Tay Tay fan or anything along those lines. <laughs> I have so much more respect for her after watching that Netflix documentary. I thought it was very well done. If you get the chance, folks, check it out. My big takeaway from it is these events change women. And they change them in ways that you can't even fathom. Taylor Swift went through a very, it may not, it may not have seemed difficult to most people, um, but she went through a situation where there was a DJ up in Colorado that when they were doing meet and greets and so on and so forth, he touched her butt. He groped her. Put put his hand up her skirt. Meet and greet type thing. There was a picture of it. There were seven witnesses. He was fired. He sued her for millions of dollars. She countersued for a dollar. One dollar. And went through this whole court trial. And she's like, I had a picture. I had seven witnesses. But the way they dehumanized me during this entire process is enough for any woman who it's just her word against another's wouldn't want to go through this. They put her on trial. We've heard that before. Like the the rape victim, the assault victim, you put them on trial and you attempt to uh, break down their character to defend the rapist or assaulter. Now, Taylor Swift won. Yes. And that moment really changed her life. And I think what it comes down to is when it when it's a sexual assault, you you guys for the most part are never going to understand what that's like. You're never going to understand what happens in that moment and how you react or how you don't react and when you don't react, the questions you ask yourself, let alone the ones that people ask you going, well, "Why didn't you move? Why didn't you say something? Why didn't you do this? Why why weren't you loud? Why why why?" because you freeze. And I would only equate it to Remember we had the Walmart shooting, the El Paso Walmart shooting recently? Yeah. It was, what would you do in that situation? We all think we know what we would do in that situation. Jerry Sandusky, you see something egregious happening in the locker rooms at Penn State. You think you know how you would react. But until you're in that situation, you haven't the foggiest of clues. Well, I think about, and, and, and what I thought about in this is, as a guy who flies, usually by myself, I have never once worried about falling asleep and in any way, shape, or form being inappropriate.
inappropriately touched. There are a lot of things that I worry about, Bruce, that you have never even I admit that, but you see what I'm saying? I, I never would have dawned on me. But and I wonder know, with what, stories what's like sad? this, if more women say, I, I, I can't afford to fall asleep on a plane. But what's sad for most women, it's just second nature. Really? You're just so used to it. Wow. And that's, that's sad. Should you or do you ever talk about politics at work? And how do you deal with it? We're actually going to get to some of your your calls. The open mic line, 602-200-2733. Do you talk about politics? Should you talk about politics? And how do you deal with those that won't shut up about it? 602-200-2733. We're talking about it next.